Well, good morning, church. It is um, amazing to be together this morning. We are continuing in our Confidence Sermon Series, uh, where we have been walking through God's promises to us in Romans 8. And today we're looking at verses 26 through 30. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to grab them or your phones. And our verse this morning starts out 26 in the same way. You know, in the same way, it means that we're starting today coming out of last week's verses. Last week, we uh, learned about suffering, suffering and, and the hope that we have, how the world today isn't how God planned it to be, how in the, the garden, Adam and Eve made that decision to do what they wanted to do over what God had wanted to, uh, them to do, and how their rebellion uh, had impacted all of uh, creation, our relationship with God, our relationship to each other, fractured, and nature. Nature's beautiful functioning became in bondage as well. The people, the land, animals, the sea, all ache, all suffer, all groan. And, and, and we do see it all around us, don't we? We, we can feel it. There's, there's poverty and, and racial violence and biodiversity loss. There's sexual abuse. There's plastic pollution. There's drug addiction, suicide, corporate greed, cancer, food insecurity, deforestation. The list goes on and on and on. And those sweet songs that we heard in the garden now are gone. And, and the earth, it, it heaves with, with longing for deliverance from this sorrowful brokenness. It's, it's groaning for freedom under the, the weight of suffering. And it's, it's rising up, it's crying out for, for God's goodness today. Creation groans. People groan. And today we see scripture says, the spirit groans. In the same way, the Spirit who helps us in our weakness, when we don't know what we ought to pray for, the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit intercedes for us with wordless groans. With, with all of creation, the, the very Spirit of God, he groans and he aches and he longs for this world as we do. The Spirit identifies with, with our lament and our, our heartache. This was not how it was meant to be. And his heart and, and our hearts were, were, reunite, were united in the, the, the ache for the very goodness of God here. And even if we can't find the, the words or the, the right words, it, 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 even if we don't know how or, or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us. God's spirit right alongside us, helping us. Scripture says, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. When, when we don't know that thing we need to pray for, or, or maybe we don't know what's best to pray for, he knows us. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. 
Because being human, we have a, a limited vision of, of what's truly in our best interests, right? When you think of parents uh, with your children asking you for that later bedtime or skipping their bath or an extra helping of dessert. Our God who, who can see everything, who knows everything in, in his perfect wisdom, in his understanding, he will pray for what we truly need. And, and we're confined by our, our limited perspective, our, our human thinking. But God, he is praying for us from this limitless perspective and, and his divine thinking. And, and he knows our hearts and, and our conditions. And, and he will keep us present before God. He does what only God can do. The divine in us appealing to, to the divine above and, and he makes prayer out of sorrow in our hearts. He intercedes with wordless groans, wordless sighs, and aching groans. Have, have you ever known suffering like this? Suffering that's, that's so deep that it heaves within you, it, it moans. It's low, and it's heavy, and, and, it's, and it's helpless, and it's, it's so deep that it is without language, so deep that, that it cannot be confined to everyday words. Do you know sorrow like that? You know, I, I, I watched something recently that reminded me of, of sorrow like that. Uh, it was on the slot canyons in Utah. Slot canyons are, are spectacular. I would love to see them in real life. They are millions and millions of years old. And, and over time, the elements have shaped the landscape there. Years and years of water and wind shaping that rock. And, and much of the land in the region there belongs to the Navajo people. And there's a beautiful storytelling in their, their culture of, of those canyons and, and how those canyons have been shaped and carved, not just by nature, but also by adversity, in sorrow, with every heavy sigh, in, in struggling, every, every release, every low moan, every exhale, every groan like wind that would be carried into those canyons, shaping them and, and making them over, changing all of that adversity into breathtaking beauty. Sunshine, water, wind, sadness, sighing, moaning, all together used for creating something beautiful. And, and this picture reminds me of, of God's good work. Verse 28 says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It says, we know, you know, emphasizing our absolute certainty of this. You know, we believe every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. All parts of our lives, the good parts 
the, the difficult parts, every, every suffering, every joy, whether disease or blessing or loss or opportunity or ordinary burden, everything. There, there is no qualification or, or limit or condition with God. He will use all things and bring about good. All things can, can be seen through, through the lens of God's good and eternal purpose. And this isn't our idea of good. This is God's good, not necessarily our well-being here, our comfort, our convenience here, but God's eternal goodness for us. And, and he knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Verse 29, scripture says, For God foreknew, he also predestined to, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God decided from the, the very outset that, that he would shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as, as the life of his son, Jesus, who stands first in the line of humanity that he restored. In him, in, in Jesus, we see the original and the intended shape of our lives. It is to be like him. God has his divine, eternal purpose from the very, very beginning. Before he spoke anything into being, he decided upon us. And those he predestined, he also called. In our present time, he called to us. His, his spirit awakening us. His call on our life at this time to be restored in him. And, and those he called, he justified. God makes it possible in and through Jesus, where once our relationship with God was, was broken in Jesus, he, he sets us on a solid basis with himself. And those he justified, he also glorified. After getting us established, he stays with us to the end. He continues with us. He will never leave us, gloriously completing what he began at first. And, and yes, we are not there yet, but this glory work has begun little by little by little until one day we will be complete and, and we will be in perfect likeness to Jesus, both outwardly, our bodies, inwardly perfect, just like our Lord. And, and we will be the, the great redeemed and, and glorified people forever, glorifying him with the glory that he has given us this. This is the determined plan of God. His divine, continuous activity from, from beginning to end for his unchanging purpose in each of our lives. Man, these verses contain some of the most glorious promises of God, don't they? That, that while we live in, in the struggle and the strife and the sorrow of this world, we have divine help. 
We are not alone. The Holy Spirit is working on our behalf in the, the heavenly realm, seeking God for us, exchanging our limited groans within us to limitless prayer to an all-powerful God in his will. While we live in the, in the struggle and the strife and the sorrow of this world, we have divine hope. God is redeeming and restoring and recovering everything in our lives. He's using all things in his way for good. He has a purpose and a plan for us, and he will see it through from beginning to eternity. He has got us. And, and for each of us, each of us, we have this confidence that even in suffering, even in the difficulties we face, that we can claim in all things, at all times, God is good. He is our help. He is our hope. Do you believe it? I can't hear you. Do you believe it? Yes. Yes, we believe it. It's amazing news. But can I be honest with you? A little vulnerable here. There, there can be times for me where, where there's a bit of, of disconnect, I'll call it, between, between what I know to be true and what I feel sometimes. You know, I, I have to, to kind of work at, at reconciling those things that I firmly believe in my heart and, and those things that I'm experiencing in my life. Is, has this ever been true for you? Because I, I think we would agree that for most of us, when, when turbulence hits us, it, it rattles our, our sense of security. You know, when difficult things go down, it, it, it confronts our, sa our sense of safety and, and comfort. Suffering, it, it threatens us, our, our personhood. You know, when, when life is good and, and things are under control and manageable and we are able, we are strong, but in sorrow, in, in, in difficulty, suddenly we're, we're needy, we're, we're weak, we're, we're desperate. I don't think we like that. You know, we've, we've been thrust into this unfamiliar terrain that is terribly difficult to navigate, and, and we feel like we're stumbling to get our bearings, and, and we don't feel like ourselves there. And, and we want suffering to be over. You know, we, we, I think, sometimes can expect suffering to be this temporary experience, this detour, or this delay in the, the very life that, that we have planned. Um, but sometimes sorrow, sorrow can stretch months or, or years, and, and, and for some, the rest of our lives, a thorn in our flesh. And, and like this, it, it's unexpected. Suffering rubs against how we operate in today's culture, right? Culture says that if we put in the effort, we will produce success. We are vehicles of productivity, right? We, if we try hard enough, we will triumph. Determination can, can create a life of minimal pain and, and maximum comfort. We're in control of our possibilities, 
right? We aren't. And, and when, we, when we try and we don't get what we want, it hurts. The cancer spread. The marriage failed. The addiction persists. The thorn in our flesh remains. And, and our brains <laughs> perceive a threat. Right? We, we're trying to protect ourselves. And so instead of living where we are, we start to plot our escape. We blame. Maybe there's hidden sins somewhere, and that's why God isn't turning things around. Maybe, maybe it's a lack of faith, and that's why he is absent. Maybe there really is no God at all, and that's why there is silence. And then we work, we sweat, we start checking boxes. We pray in his name. We have a faith that the size of a mustard seed. We're in his will. We believe that we have it. We have determination. We are fasting. We start doing all the right things in all the right ways. And this will move God. He will change things. We will overcome this adversity. Only sometimes it doesn't always work out. Sometimes, sometimes we pretend. We ignore our grief by by focusing on finding its, with its purpose. We hunt for that explanation. We start saying things like, oh, I think God is teaching me. And, and I think that, that we hope if we learn that lesson that we will be able to move on. And, and then we can start talking about that, that story of, of success. But, but all of that effort to try and find it, well, it, it can come up empty. And the sorrow is still there. The truth is experiencing suffering can, can erode trust in God. And I'm sure you're thinking at this point, oh man, Amy, I came to church to, to be encouraged and, and this, is, this is pretty difficult, but, but stay with me on this. Because yes, suffering can chip away at our trust. And yet... I believe if we let it, suffering can rebuild it. Is it possible that, that suffering is actually a place of gain, not simply loss? Is it possible that, that suffering is actually a, a meaningful space to, to turn towards as opposed to turn and run from? Because I believe that these, these verses, they show us that this can be true. That suffering is a meaningful space to be known. Suffering is a meaningful space to be grown. Suffering is a meaningful space to be known. God in, invites us to approach him from a place of being undone. He says, bring to me your, your groaning I will help you. Groaning. It is, it is the, the honest, raw, real sound that, that we make when our hearts have been broken wide open. It's, it's the wailing of anger. It's the, the moaning of sadness. It's the, the ramble of anxiety. It's the rise of irritability and, and frustration. It is the, the sob of desperation. Without the neediness, the, the moodiness, the exhaustion, we're simply 
polished and self-sufficient. And God cannot heal what we won't acknowledge. When we circle the edges of suffering, fighting against it and, and working to avoid it and, and trying to escape it and pretending we aren't going to go there, God can't meet us in those places that we won't go. I remember a few years back, Sean and I had a surprise pregnancy, and I always, I always wanted a fourth baby, but then uh, a sudden miscarriage, and it was crushing. And the truth is, I don't want to talk about it. I felt like talking about it somehow made it worse, like talking about it magnified the loss there. And I was uncomfortable. How, how do you express that, that sad, honest truth of an experience that you can do nothing about? Nothing could improve the situation. But the truth is, my, my sorrow and my discouragement was not a problem to be solved. It was, it was a place to be comforted and, and a place to be loved. And, and I believe that that's what God wants with us. When we isolate ourselves from him, when we cut ourselves off, we're cutting ourselves off from the, the communion and the hope that we have in God. Suffering makes us want to hide and, and retreat. And this distance undoes intimacy. When Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, they pulled away, they hid from God, they isolated themselves. And, and what does God do? He is there in the garden and he asks, where are you? And, and this is still true for us. God longs for us. He comes for us. He is with us. He wants us to know his presence in our pain. And, and he invites us to, to name the place that we find ourselves in, wherever we find ourselves, you know, angry or abandoned or afraid. Because when, when we turn toward him, we go from, from hiding to honest. And, and it's here that, that we hold space then for God to care for us. When we go from, from avoiding to authentic, God in his loving kindness will, will personally comfort us. He will parent us. And, and I don't think that this is supposed to be this, this uh, intellectual experience of analysis and evaluation. It is, it is a place of intimacy and connection and love. God delights in us. And he, and he wants us to know that. And he wants to help. Groaning is where trust develops. And, and in trust, deeper trust develops. An honest lament of, of pain, this is what builds real intimacy. And it, can, it can scare us to talk about what we're really feeling, but, but our feelings are, are a vehicle that God created in us that we can use to move towards him. Difficult emotions aren't, aren't barriers 
to his possible joy. In, in, in fact, they, they can be the, the very conduits by which we receive from God. And, and often, uh, we learn that those feelings that, that we fear aren't as scary as, as we thought, especially in the light of the presence and the power of our holy God. You know, we, we rob suffering of its power over us when we turn into it as opposed to away from it. When, when we are present in, um, present in it with God, a God who says, the plans I have for you are good, we, we dismantle those whispers that, that, that say defeat or shame or fear. So we trust, we turn to God in suffering because he turned to us first. In Jesus, we, we see God move towards us in Christ. You know, we, we don't have a God who's out of touch with reality. He came to earth. He's, he has been through weakness and testing. He experienced everything and except for sin, but he experienced everything and and he invites us to him to get what we need he is ready to to give of his mercy and his grace and every help that we ever need we don't need to push past looking at our suffering suffering is a meaningful space a space that we can be known and, and we also don't need to hold back from experiencing our suffering. Suffering is a meaningful space where we can be grown. You know, once we acknowledge where we are, we can actually press into those circumstances. And we, we can hold within us a, a willingness to participate in the design that God has for our lives. We can walk into barren and empty places of sorrow because this is where God will fill us with more of himself. You know, suffering tempts us to believe that we're, we're forsaken or forgotten or worthless. But it's not true. That's not what God says about us. What God says, when we look at these verses, what God says is that, that he made his loving choice and that he chose us in Christ to be the objects of, of his loving purpose and that he set his love upon us personally. He called our hearts to be united with him and to respond in faith. He has an offer, a free, a free pardon and a new life waiting for us. And then in Jesus, we're, we're secure. The, the redeemed in him, he gives us new life. God made it possible for us to be restored back to him. And he said that we should be holy as he is. And he starts to change us from the inside out. By his spirit within us, every moment we have access to Jesus, Jesus' perseverance, his joy, his strength, his peace, everything that we could ever need in every moment. Christ in us, taking everything that was cursed and recreating it good. <laughs> and then even when on the outside things look like they're falling apart, we remember on the inside, God is creating new life. 
And, and not a day goes by without him. He completes what he started. All who began in his good plan will finish. And he stays with us into the end. God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. And it is our everlasting good. It is glory with Jesus in heaven. And nothing is overlooked by God. Everything in our lives contributes to his good plan. And, and if we're convinced that, that God is all-wise and, and all-loving, then, then we can accept what he sends our way, seemingly good or seemingly bad, winning or losing hard, seeing clearly, walking blind. God is always worthy, right, and good in it all. And embracing suffering seems like, like a paradox. But, but in this, we're shaping our lives along the same lines as Jesus. Jesus himself understood grief. He was a man of sorrows. And he, and he lived when he was here in the, in the difficult tension of this broken world. Jesus himself even sought God for his suffering to be taken from him. He groaned in the garden, but in the end, he remained steadfast to God's design over his own. He prayed, yet not my will, but yours be done. And so, so like Christ, we, we choose to be formed even by sorrow. We, we're willing to let our, our hearts be exposed and, and known, even in suffering. And by this, we will grow. By this, the world will see the, the sustaining power and presence of Jesus in us. And, and as God's people, we, we go out into the world, not just in joy and in celebration, but also vulnerable and, and suffering and surrounded and battered by troubles and broken and thrown down. But this is making Jesus, his, his life and his death, more evident to those in our world. Our lives are places that are bursting with power. As Gordon Fee said, as God's people, we belong to the, the future that has already come present. The, a future where, where God has promised us oppression is obliterated, disease is destroyed, death has been defeated, suffering is not the end of our story, sickness is not who we are, this life is not the end, this is what we believe. Our future is glorious, literally glorious. He assures us, I have a plan from beginning to end. And we can hope in it. And we can trust him to do it. And as we press in all the parts of our life, he creates new life. He releases joy in difficulty. He teaches gratitude in blessing, he imparts peace to us in turmoil. He offers thanksgiving to us in kindness. He teaches praise in sorrow. We're grown. We don't need to hold back, even in suffering. We can discover a meaningful place to be grown. Even in suffering. God, God creates beautiful possibilities for us. 
Suffering is that, that place to be known and, and be grown. And when we choose to release our plans and courageously move into the, the, the design that, that God has for us, our lives will be glorious. We, we let God's uh, prayers be our prayer because we want his God-sized design for our lives. We let God's plans for us be our plan because we want God-sized will for our lives. And, and we don't have to have all the whys and, and understand everything, what, what he does, what he doesn't do. Our, our part is trust. We have a, a heavenly father who has shown us we can trust him. From the beginning to the end, he decided on a sacrifice for us, loves us, he continues with us. We can trust him. You know, with, with my kids, when they were little, I would occasionally have to carry their bag for them. It was too heavy for them. It was too big for them. And I feel like this is the, the same picture here. Sometimes things are too heavy. Things are too wonderful. Things are too big for us to know, for us to understand. God is saying, leave that part to me. Let me do that part for you. Let me help you. Let me design and carry out the plan for you. Our part is trust. And we have a good father. So in, in joy, in suffering, in, in laughter, in weeping, all of it. We can step into all of it. In, in faith. We don't stop short of joining in with God in any of these spaces where he is so that we're known there, so that we might be grown there. And it can be about taking apart what, what we thought in exchange for something so much better. So yes, suffering can erode our trust, but what suffering brings to us is so much stronger and, and more beautiful and lasting, like those slot canyons that display the, the glory and the beauty and the wonder of God. And when we live here in the, the tension of embracing suffering, what, what we believe about God and and how we feel about God, this is where it starts to line up. What we know of God and, and what we experience of him will intersect. This is to, to taste and see. And, and then by this, we will have that full confidence to, to claim that in all things, for all time, God is good, he is our help, and he is our hope. Amen.